0: All right, go ahead and take a seat. Glad you're here. Thank you, Wes. What would you ask God? What question would you ask him? I actually struggled with this, and, um, but I heard some good questions out there. Hopefully you did as well. One reason I struggled is I, I think that some of the big questions that I was really seeking answers for uh, when I was in my 20s, when I was in high school, college, like why are we here? What's wrong with the world? Where are we headed? What should I focus on? What should I make my aim in life? Those were questions I was wrestling with, and I found a lot of questions in this relationship with God. God actually has revealed quite a bit. He's revealed where we come from. He's revealed uh, our uniqueness as humans. He's revealed the problem underneath all the problems in the world. He's revealed... Uh, attempts that we've made to try to overcome those that problem, failed attempts and he, he's revealed the solution. He's revealed the way into new life, into a new day into his new creation. He's revealed to us what he wants us to do now, the life he's calling us to live uh, in pretty detail, pretty much detail. He's Uh, shown us some glimpses of what is to come, uh, what to expect. Uh, Now, we don't know everything. We don't know when he's coming. Um, We we haven't seen him face to face. We we have not seen, but we believe. uh, You know, those disciples, the originals, they got to see and believe. So there's a lot that we don't know, but man, there's a lot God has revealed. But here's the thing. We don't always like what he has said and what he's revealed. Sometimes we're not, that's not really the answer that we wanted. And so we're kind of like, well, maybe I'll look somewhere else for that one. As if there is not on the bulletin or up here. So just listen to this first part. This is John 1. This is God has revealed himself. In the beginning, in the very beginning, was the Word. And the Word was with God, He was with God in the beginning. Uh, And this word, this word of God, through him, all things, everything has been made. All things were made through this word of God. And you're like, well, who's this word? Who's this word? Well, verse 14, this word, the word of God, who is God, who is with God, through whom all things were made, became flesh, was born of a woman. Born in Israel, born in Bethlehem, the word of God became flesh and made his dwelling among us. The incarnation, God came close to reveal himself to you and me. To hear Jesus speak was to hear God speak. To to see him in action was to see God in action. Jesus said, if you've seen me, if you've heard me, then you've seen God the Father. You've heard the Father. All right, so God, the word of God came in the flesh, made his dwelling among us. So he's revealed a lot. But here, listen to this part. And this is up on the screen. Verse 10. He, the word of God in the flesh, was in the world. He was here. And though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, his own people, Israel, yet... But but his own did not receive him. So we have a recognition problem. We have a belief problem. Right? We have a reception problem. Yet, to all who did receive him, so here's another group, all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, in his words, in his claims, and what he said, he gave the right to become something new, to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent or human decision or husband's will, but born of God, born again, transformed, a new creation. So isn't that interesting? It's not always, uh, the problem is not always that God hasn't revealed it. It's that sometimes we don't recognize it. Sometimes we don't want it. We don't believe it. Sometimes other things get in the way. Sometimes we do believe it, receive it, and live into it. Sometimes we don't. Sometimes the problem is we get distracted, right? We get distracted. There are other little g gods, little other things here on Earth to give our affections to, to pursue, to seek after, to sacrifice for, to build our lives around. And sometimes we get so distracted or preoccupied with these earthly things that we push out Ignore, don't want to recognize, not interested in the divine. God's word, God's revelation, God's presence. Is that fair? You know, it's a battle sometimes, right? So this is a situation um, that Paul encounters. We've been in the book of Acts, seeing the word of God, the message of God, be uh, spoken out into the world. From Jerusalem, we see it go from Jerusalem to Judea through Samaria, and now to the ends of the earth, through the Roman Empire. Um, And now when we we catch up with Paul, he's now headed to Athens. Athens, the Athens, Athens, Greece. The center of Greco-Roman religion, philosophy. So you had, when Jesus came, he came after the Greeks were in power and all their, um, their empire and their influence. And you know, name, some, name some Greek gods. Anybody know some of these guys? Zeus, Neptune, uh, Apollo, Aphrodite. You know, there's a bunch of them out there. So then you know, after the Greeks, the Romans came to power. And the Romans, just they're just copycats. They just took all this pantheon, this, this polytheistic religious system, and made it their own. They gave their own names, Jupiter, Mars. And uh, so they had their own gods, which were just kind of knockoff gods. But anyway, the point is, their gods they gave names to. And these were different gods, like health and wealth, and war, and sport, and sex, and wine, and um, lots of different things. All right, so you had a god for all these different like activities, things that people built their life around. You had gods of nations. All right, so they gave them names. So Paul is going into this Greco-Roman world outside of Israel. And when you go to a lot of these places, there's altars all around. There are um, temples built to these different gods. There are these objects of worship that have been made. Now here... We have gods and goddesses as well. Did you know that? We have idols. We have things that we pursue and build our lives around that are not God as well. But we don't have these overt temples to them and so forth. So it's a little bit more hidden, a little bit more subtle. But they're there. All right. So let's see how Paul goes to Athens. He goes to the center of this Greco-Roman non-god world and see how he interacts. But let me ask you this question first. What would be the equivalent? Today of Athens, like what is the the center of secular humanism or human philosophy? The things that are not worshiping the true God, but kind of earthly pursuits. Where would you? Where is that place today? UC Berkeley. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of philosophies and ideas floating around UC Berkeley. Yeah, Ving goes there and evangelizes regularly. They live there, so yeah. Okay, Berkeley, we got a candidate there. Any other other ideas? I heard one. universities. Universities, yeah, lots of universities. That's kind of a place where these ideas often come together. The human is number one, so forth. You say New York City, maybe San Francisco. All right, so we got these places as well. So this is relevant to us today. So let's go and see how Paul does it. How does verse 16, Acts chapter 17, verse 16. This is in your bulletin. Follow along, this is the word of God. Look up here, okay, while Paul was waiting for them, for his team that sent him ahead, while Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was greatly distressed, disturbed, unsettled, to see that the city that he was in was full of idols. Okay, so this is the first situation. He goes there, he goes to this place. Again, Athens is the center place. It is the centerpiece, all these idols and temples and so forth. And what's his response? He's distressed. He's uh, unsettled. It's unsettling. He's stirred. Why? Why? Why does it bother him so much? What's the big deal? They're all going to hell. Okay, because if you build your life around what is not God, these false gods, you are doomed. You are still dead in your sins. There is no hope for you. You're separated from the true God. You are in death, not in life. You are in darkness, not in the light. And I tell you, God has revealed this clearly to us. We don't like it. It's not not culturally sensitive for us to say, but you are either in one or two categories. You are either dead in your sins, separated from God, without hope, under God's wrath, doomed, or you are alive in God. In the light, pardoned, forgiven, secure in him forever, united to the life of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. There is no middle ground. We, we like to, oh, well, maybe there's a little, no, there's no, there's no ground. It's, it's a struggle, right? But it is clearly, repeatedly repe- revealed to us. So Paul's distressed by that. These people are doomed. It's distressing. He has a heart for these people. He wants them to know the true and living God because he remembers not long ago, just a few years earlier, he was in the darkness as well. He was fighting the very God that he thought he was serving. He was lost, doomed, dead in his sins. He calls himself the worst of sinners. But God saved him. And now he's sharing the news. So it's distressing, and this challenged me because I'll be honest with you, I'll go around, I'll see people who are doing their own thing, far from God, and I'm kind of indifferent sometimes. I'm numb to it. I'm not distressed. I think I should be distressed. If I cared, if I had a heart, if I wasn't so self-absorbed, I would be more distressed by this. And there's another thing as well. Not only am I not always that distressed about people's situation, But sometimes I'm not distressed about those little idols that still have encamped in my heart. I'm not uh, a pure, clean, you know, temple without some challenges yet. So God will, in his patience, reveal different things that I'm trying to build my life out, things that I'm going to for life instead of God. Uh, some of them okay things not negative things like sports and health and fitness and stuff like that but things that are if you put those in the the top place then they're in the wrong place and they will let you down they will not deliver um so so God's challenged me with that am i distressed about people living in idolatry and lost Is, does that distress you does that distress me it should does it distress me? Does it distress you of your own idols that, you know, sometimes we worship and serve and sacrifice for and give our time and attention and heart to and put God second? Challenging stuff. Yikes. All right, we're just getting started. Come on. All right, so Paul is distressed. He sees this. Let's see what he does about it. Does he just pull his hair out? Does he just, ah, these people, does he just get frustrated? No, let's see what he does. All right, he does something different. Verse 17, so, this is what he did, so he reasoned in the synagogue, so he goes first to that body of Jewish people who are there in Athens, there's a synagogue in Athens, there's a synagogue in almost every city in the Roman Empire, he goes there because they know the scriptures about the Messiah, and he just connects the dots for them, he says, the Messiah, the promised one, the king has come, so he goes there first, and he reasoned with both Jews and God-fearing Greeks. So these are non-Jews who have come to recognize or are seeking the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. All right. So as well as, and this is what else? This is the other thing he does. As well as in the marketplace, which is kind of this outdoor mall where all business activity takes place. There's, it's like the farmers' market mixed in with. Um, you know, where people are buying and selling things all through the day, as well in the marketplace, day by day. So he's, he's persistent, he, he's consistent, he works at this day by day, he's reasoning with them, with those who happen to be in the marketplace there. All right, now, a group of Epicurean and Stoic philosophers, so these are two groups, two schools of philosophy, human philosophy, human ideas about who God is, what's the purpose of life, what's the aim, and so forth. These are kind of like the the liberal progressives, the Epicureans and the Stoics, who would be more of the conservatives here. They began to debate with him. All right, So they're engaged, though. They're having a conversation with him. Some of them asked, what is this babbler trying to say? Who is this guy? Others remarked, he seems to be advocating, this is probably the Stoics, he seems to be advocating foreign gods. The Greeks were snobs. They thought they were the best, and so... You know, uh, some, he's advocating foreign gods. They said this because, listen what Paul was doing. He was distressed, and this is what he was doing. Because Paul was preaching, proclaiming, speaking, telling the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. He goes, he's distressed, he doesn't just stay distressed. He tells them the good news message about Jesus. He speaks to them about the true God. He's not overcome. He's not, you know, he goes uh, and steps out to tell them, to reveal to them the true and living God. He preaches the good news to them. He tells them about God, the Creator God, who has come into his creation to reveal himself to people, to reconcile people to God. All right, so he he speaks it out. He tells them what's going on. All right, now um, we have an opportunity to do this as well. You know, this is a good, good thing to do uh, for all of us. In fact, we're all called to do what Paul is doing there. All right. The reason we have the good news today is because others before us who learned the good news and were transformed by it, who received it and believed it, they passed it on to others, on and on and on and on until it got to us. And now is this is our day. We are the generation that we've been handed the message of good news about Jesus, and we're to give it to others. That's a big part of our job. That's a big reason we're still here. You know, if you're in Christ, you're secure, you're going to heaven, you're going to be part of the new heavens and new earth, congratulations. What do we do now? We get the word out. We we tell others. We invite others in. We share this good news. And I know you are getting a little bit nervous here, but this is for all of us. This is for all of us. God wants to use all of us in this. All right, so let's learn from Paul. Let's see how he does it. Let's learn from the master. All right, from sensei Paul. Here we go. Let's see what he does. Verse 19. Then they took him and brought him to a meeting of the Areopagus. That was like the Sanhedrin. That was the religious, civic, philosophical council for Athens. So he's in Greece, he's in Athens, and now he's at the center of their debates their their thought life and so forth he's invited into this place this is a great opportunity so he's invited to this meeting of the areopagus where they said to him may we know more may we know what this new teaching is that you are presenting they're curious they're wondering you are bringing some strange ideas to our ears they don't the message about god and jesus they they don't fit Nicely in the categories that the Greek mindset already had you're bringing some strange ideas to our ears and we would like to know what they mean All right, so there's some people there who are genuinely open curious Maybe they're a little bit stirred. Hey, there's something here That's worth looking into some more. That's all they know at this point But there something is the Word of God will do this to people the Word of God is powerful it It's it's like it's God's spirit. It's his word It's like he's breathing on these dry, dead bones. And some of these bones, when the word of God goes to them, start to rattle, start to shake, start to come together. New life begins. And some just sit there as dry, dead bones. And that's this next comment, verse 21. All the Athenians and the foreigners who lived there, this is Luke's comment, spent their time doing nothing but talking about and listening to the latest ideas. So there's another group of people there who are just, yeah, you know, they're just curious because they like the debate. Do you know people like this? They just like the, deb- Oh, that's an interesting idea. Hey, I read this other thing over here. How about this? And maybe we could put these two together. They're idea people. They're uh, sophists. They're interested in word games. They're, it's, just, it's just curiosity. It's just ideas. Ving and I, I went with him to uh, Berkeley this week. Um, to just kind of glean from him, get, you know, get some feedback from him in sharing the message about Jesus uh, at the UC Berkeley campus. And we talked to a guy there, I forget his name. Uh, Ving, was, Ving was leading. I was just shadowing, and kind of learning some things. And this guy was, uh, he called himself an agnostic. So a guy who, who says, you know, there's two flavors of agnostics those who say, I don't know and we can't know, which is very closed. And, uh, but this guy was like, I don't know, but God is knowable, possibly. So he's kind of in this open open place, which is exciting. right? okay. And he's, you know, Ving's engaging him. They're talking and so forth. But after a while, it became clear that this guy was just kind of not interested. Like he was comfortable in his not knowing, right? He, he maybe was hearing something, but he didn't. He basically said that, you know, my life is pretty good. My life is pretty good. And that's true. That, that can be a boundary or an obstacle for people to receive the good news about Jesus. It's like, actually, things are pretty good right now, you know? They don't know how good it could be. They don't know what it's like to have the Spirit of God in you, living with you. Uh, they don't know what potential God has for them. They don't know what God could do through them if they gave their life to him. And it's frustrating because here's this guy's who's like, eh, you know, he's mildly interested um, but he's and we have this good news message that's the power of God for salvation for everyone who believes and it's just not going in he's not ready he's not interested and he's polite but and, you know maybe God used that time to, to bring a little bit closer you know, maybe a little bit closer. Maybe something got in there. Truth is like that. It's a worm that just kind of goes in your brain and it can just, it can really take root there. You know, so maybe that happened. But here's the situation close doesn't count. He might have come closer, but close doesn't count. Again, you're either out, separated from God, or in with God. There's no in between. So it's distressing. It's a little bit frustrating. But um, so we have this today. We have this situation today. All right. So let's see. Paul has this opportunity, and you may have an opportunity this week, and actually we're going to pray for it this week, that you will have an opportunity to share with somebody the good news about Jesus. So some of you, that's like scary. You don't want to do that. Um, Maybe it's new, but you know. If you're in a relationship with God, you know the true God. You know what people need. So we have an opportunity to share this with others. So let's see how Paul does this, because he's given this great opportunity, right? Some of them there are listening. Not all of them. Some of them are eye rollers. Some of them are checked out. Some are just, you know. All right. So let's see what happens. What does Paul do? Verse 22. Paul then stood up in the meeting of Areopagus and said, People of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious. For as I walk around and look carefully at your objects of worship, your many objects of worship, I even found an altar an unknown God. So, you are ignorant of the very thing you worship. Some, whoever built this altar, this altar they're admitting that there's a God possibly out there, but we don't know him. All right. So you are ignorant of the very thing you worship. And this is is what I'm going to proclaim to you. This unknown God has come and made himself known. He's revealed himself. And now I'm going to help you know him. All right? So Paul is doing something. This is lesson number one for us. It's it's a fill-in. Share. I'm sorry. Start with the person where they are. Start where the person is now. Start where they are now. Paul does this. He sees a connecting point. He saw this altar to an unknown God, and that's his starting point, and he's going to tell them about this unknown God. He connects with them where they are. Start with the person where they are now. Okay, You can do this. I can do this. We did this. Okay, we, we talked to somebody else. Ving went on to this other person, and he was having this conversation with her. At some point, she said, you know, I think maybe God is energy. God is energy, okay? Hey, she, she believes in a God. That, that, that concept is, she's not like, I don't believe in God. I don't, you know, God is energy, okay? Well, that energy out there, that vague, impersonal thing that you think might be energy, has come and made himself known. Let me tell you about him. You see that? Start where the person, you can do this. People are all, people, everybody you talk to who's outside of God, doesn't know God, they are groping, they're they're seeking, they're looking for life. They're looking for something to give them that transcendent life that we were made to experience. They're just in the dark. And we have the light. And you have an opportunity to bring that light. And you're not going to do it perfectly and smoothly, but there's Paul. He does it well. So let's keep learning from him. Next thing, so lesson number one, start where the person is now all right then let's see what he does after this he goes from there verse 24 Um, i'm going to proclaim to you this unknown god the god here he is the god who made the world that's who we're talking about here creator god the god who made the world and everything in it is the lord of heaven and earth so god is not only the creator the source of all things who is separate from all things and is, in the beginning, existed before all things. But he's also Lord, ruler of heaven and earth. He is active and engaged and involved with his creation. He is the active ruler, the King of kings and Lord of lords over heaven and earth. This Lord of heaven and earth does not live in temples built by human hands. He doesn't live in those temples, those boxes you made. All right, that's not where you're going to find him. And he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything from you or me. Isn't that humbling? God, the creator, doesn't need anything from you or me. He's doing fine. Eternal Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, he's doing fine, you know. But there's, there's some good news here as well. So he doesn't need you. You need him. All right. He doesn't live in temples built by human hands. He doesn't live in those God, those idol statues that you've made. He's not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone, you, me, life, and breath, and everything else. Everything you have comes from him. Your existence, your heartbeat, your breath. Whatever you have, you have because God made you able to have that. It all goes back to God So what's the right response to this God, this creator God? Thanks and praise. Thank you for who I am. Thank you for life. Thank you for this moment. Thank you for the good times. Thank you for being with me. Thankfulness is the right response. Honoring God is the right response. All right. So rather he himself gives life to everyone in breath and everything else. Verse 26, from one man he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. And God did this, listen, so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. Our existence is dependent upon him. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. All right. Lesson number two, when you share the good news about Jesus, know this. Be confident that God is near. When you're having that conversation, be confident that God is near. He's working on that person's heart and mind. He's hoping that they will turn and seek him and find him. He's ready to be found. Be confident that God is near and ready to receive those who reach out to him. Be confident that God is near in that conversation and ready to, ready for those who reach out to Him. Jesus does it in another way. Um, he says in these words, He says, Here I am, I stand at the door and knock. He's doing this with everybody who's outside in the dark. He came to seek and save the lost. Here I am, I stand at the door and knock. Whoever hears my voice opens the door. I will come in and eat with them, and that person will eat with me. We will have fellowship together. So be confident that God is doing that in that person. They may not want to open the door, and Jesus will not push the door open. He leaves it up to you, but he's knocking, he's speaking, he's drawing people to him. It really comes down to, is that person wanting it or ready for it, open to it? All right. Okay, so that's number three. That's the third thing to remember uh, when you're sharing with somebody the good news. Let's continue. Let's learn some more from him. He says, therefore, he gives us some more. Therefore, since we are God's offspring, we should not think that the divine being is like gold or silver stone, an image made by human design and skill. This is not a human idea. This This is not human wisdom that we're sharing with you. This is God revealing himself, all right? In the past, God overlooked such ignorance. He overlooked our ignorance. He's been patient with us. But now, today, here and now, he commands all people everywhere to repent, to turn away from a life lived without God, to turn away from the idols, to turn away from the, the human ideas about God, and to turn to the living God. He commands all people everywhere to repent, for he, and here's some urgency, he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice. By the man he has appointed, he has given proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead. Now is the time to repent. If you're outside of God, you're listening to this, this is the day of your visitation. This is the day of salvation. This is the day for you to hear this good news, to wrestle with it, and to repent. To turn from your old gods, from your old way of life, and begin to follow him. This is the day. Jesus, the one who bore God's wrath, just wrath, for you in his body, on the cross, to pardon you, to release you from that, he is also the judge. So when you come face to face with the judge, you're either going to be in one camp or the other. You're going to be someone who says, Jesus, thank you for taking the wrath I deserve for my sin, for my rebellion against you. Thank you. I trust that. And there's going to be the other people who are going to take God's wrath for, them sin, for their sins in their own body. That's the choice set before us. I know it's stark. It's intense. But it's God's word. What are you going to do with it? Next steps for us. Two things. Number one, repent. Repent. All right, I want to show you this card. You got this card, hopefully. Um, it's a little card. It's a good thing to have. This, this is going to help you a couple ways. One, on one side, you have the Genesis passage to the 1 John passage. That is a way, a succinct way to share the good news message about Jesus. You can read through that. Um, but on the other side, with Revelation on the top, we looked at that passage. There, here are the steps to repent, to come into this new life. This is what it looks like. This is what you want to help somebody come to this point. And it looks like this. Maybe you're at this point today, but if not, this is a good thing to rehearse as well. Uh, And if you're already in relationship with God, it's a good thing to remember. Let's look at number one, believe. All right, believe. This is what it looks like. It looks like Jesus, thank you for loving me enough to pay the punishment for my sins on the cross. I believe that you are the sinless son of God who rose from the dead and you are with us now. That's faith in, trust in, confidence in the message that Jesus has come and delivered and passed on to his disciples and passed on to you and me. All right, believe. That's challenging. And so you might be stuck on a few things there. If you're stuck, you have questions, please talk to me. You talk to Ving. You talk to Sharon, to Jeff, to Wes. You can talk to any of uh, the leaders here. We'll help you navigate that. Jared back there, Sarah. Okay, so believe. Next thing, and this is the... This is the rub, guys. A lot of people believe. Even the demons believe in shudder. This next one is where it counts. Repent. Repent. Listen to this. God, you know all my sins. I know that you know all my sins. You see my life completely. You know my idols. You know the things that I did this week that are unpleasing and wrong. You know all my sins. I have sinned against you. I acknowledge it. I confess it. I'm coming into the light with it because you're in the light. I've sinned against you, and I need your forgiveness. I'm in need. I'm in a place of needing your mercy, your forgiveness, your pardon, because you will judge the world with justice. I am sorry for my sins. And sometimes we get stuck there, if we're honest. Am I sorry about my sins? I kind of like my, some of my sin. That's why I still have it. If you're stuck there, ask God, Jesus, help me. I'm not, I don't feel sorrow. I'm not distressed by my sin. Help me be more sensitive. Quicken me by your spirit. I'm sorry for my sins. I turn away from them now. You do? I do? I turn away from them now. I'm going to leave them behind. I'm going to crucify them. I'm going to bury them. Instead of trying to manage them, I'm going, to yeah, I'll do a little. No, I'm going to kill them. I'm going to turn away from them. That's repentance. I turn away from them now, and I turn to you. I want to live according to your ways. You can see this is not just a one-time thing, right? There is this initial turning to come into the life of God and then receiving him. I invite you into my heart to be my Lord and Savior. Lead me and help me become the person that you want me to be. But repentance is something we need to do daily. Brothers and sisters in Christ, today is a day for you to repent. Because wherever you're kind of lingering in your sin, where you're still camping out there, you are missing out from what God has for you. I forget this. I just see what my sin can offer me. No, I'm missing out. God wants to lead me in genuine life, in freedom, in spirit-filled life in new life. That opportunity is for you. Today's a new day. Take it. Leave it behind. Move forward with Jesus. Repent. If you want to, if you're new to that, you need help with that, you're just struggling with that, please get prayer today uh, during this last song. We're going to be behind the gazebo today. Get some prayer for that. So that's repent. Number two, let's look at this next line. Let's see what Paul does next. Actually, let's see the the reaction to these Athenians at the Areop- Areopagus to his message. This is verse 32, this is the last passage today. It says, when they heard about the resurrection of the dead, some of them sneered, like, come on. Yeah, you're going to get that reaction. But others said, we want to hear more. Okay? We want to hear you again on the subject. So some need to hear more. They need to learn more. They're, the door's open. There's there's a curiosity. Want to know more. At that, Paul left the council, but here's the bottom line. Some men joined him, joined the fellowship, received, believed. Some men joined him and believed, among whom also were Dionysius, which is ironic because that's the god of wine, I think. So. He has this Greek name. He's becoming a follower of Jesus, among whom were also Dionysius the Areopagite, so a member of the uh, Areopagus, and a woman named Damaris and others with them. So some believed. Some sneered. Some mocked. Some rolled their eyes. Some were indifferent. Some didn't care. But some did believe. Here's the takeaway for us. You and me, tell others the good news about Jesus, no matter the reaction. And that's hard we like to be received, we like yeses, noes are hard. Tell others about Jesus, the good news about Jesus. It's good news, they need to hear it, no matter the reaction. All right, leave the results to God. Trust those Trust those to him. I want to give you two things. There's two things we can do on this uh, to begin to tell others. Again, the baton's been passed to us. You've received the good news. You've heard the good news. It's time for us to share it with others. And we all know people that are outside of God's life Jesus came to seek and save the lost they are lost they may not think it they may not act like it in some ways their life might look better than your life but they are doomed they're in a place of uh, deadness in sin all right so the number one thing we can do all of us can do this is pray for them Ask God to open their heart to the good news. Ask God to somehow, maybe they don't live close to you, to get the news to them. Send somebody. Send your ambassador, Christ, to so-and-so so they will come to know you. Prepare their heart. Open their heart. Draw them close to you, Lord. They're dead in their sins. They need God's spirit to stir them, to help them. You can pray. Let's commit to that this week, right? Make a list. Put it down right now. List the people that are coming to mind. The Holy Spirit's going to give you some people to pray for this week. Put it on your fridge, on your dashboard, wherever you're going to look, on your screen, and pray each day for them. That's number one. We can all do that. Number two is a little bit more challenging, but this is a great way. It's a great opportunity. Sometimes we don't know how to share the good news, um, and it's challenging. Here's how I've learned. Ving invited me to go evangelize with him. Cold contact evangelism. Doesn't that sound like fun? That sounds intense, man, and it was. I was scared, I didn't want to go. But God was like, go. And it was great, he didn't make me do anything, I just went with Ving, and I just shadowed him. I watched him at work. He's got this way of engaging people in conversation. And it's shocking, most people are open to having a conversation. Once in a while, you get a no. That's not fun. But go with Ving. He's willing to take you. Not only that, his, she's doing this as well. Go with her. Learn from here. Her. Jonathan has gone with Ving a couple times, and he's saying, I'm, I'm willing to take people. Go with Jonathan. Just shadow him. You don't have to do anything. Now, if you want to do something, I'll let you do something. But You don't have to do anything. Just watch. See how he engages and interacts with these questions, these objections. Learn how to get into those conversations. And you can go with me. I only do weekdays. All right, I know that's tough for most of you. But I, I'll take you, right? And we'll learn together. God continues to refine us as we go. All right? Please do that. The emails are on your bulletin. Take that step. Um, learn. That way, when you do it out there, you'll be ready for that conversation with your dad. You'll be ready with that conversation with your cousin. All right? Okay, let's stand and pray. Let's go to God together. First of all, God, we just thank you for uh, reaching out to us. We thank you, Jesus, for coming into this fallen, messed-up world to rescue us. We thank you, Jesus. You paid a high price to make us your own, to make a way for us to come into your kingdom, to be reconciled to you. We thank you, Jesus. We don't want to forget that. We thank you, Lord, for your grace and for your love. We thank you for caring enough for going after us, Lord. And Jesus, we thank you for the challenge today to repent, to put away our sins, put away our idols, to put away those things that we put in the place that you belong That's the throne of our heart, the throne of our mind, the top place, Lord. Forgive us for letting other things uh, get ahead of you in our lives, Lord God. Help us no longer miss out, no longer build on sand, but turn to you and look to you for life. Help us do that midstream this week in those moments of decision, Lord God. And Jesus, we ask that you would use us to get the good news out, Lord God. It's good news that we all needed Somebody shared with us, and now help us get it out to others. Teach us, train us, equip us. Help us take that next step that you are showing us to take. Help us be obedient followers, not just believers, Lord God. We love you. We thank you for this time. Amen. Do not hesitate to get prayer behind the gazebo today. Sometimes we just need an extra like, help doing those next things. Let's sing together.